Okay, so it's six o'clock on the dot, uh, so I guess it's time to begin. So the topic of conversation today is a study that was done, um, well, was done by a collective of Zimbabweans who are very interested to having blockchain technology adopted. Um, it's called Towards Blockchain, uh, Towards Virtual Assets Regulation and Adoption of Blockchain Technologies in Zimbabwe, in this in Zimbabwe's context. And the paper was co-authored by Prosper Mwizi, who is uh, with us here. Prosper, how are you? Hi, Valentine. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Um, it's been it's great to catch up with you again. Uh, we might want to add on the uh, speakers, Osi and Kuzala. Okay. One second. Now, Osi goes by which handle? Or, or, or you could add me as a co-host, and I co -host, can yeah, help with uh, adding some that, of them. That would be much easier. All right. Yeah, that's all. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm now co-host, so I'll, I'll try to quickly add everyone else. Yeah, uh, I think uh, we are we are good to go for now. All right, awesome. So I guess uh, you need to give us a brief intro on the, the study itself. Um, I've gone through it myself, and for those who sort of take them, I'm sure a few of who are here have read it. I've re I already have four requests for people who want to join the conversation. But before we get into the Q&A section, can you go over the crypto situation in Zimbabwe, just as a brief outline for those who might not be aware? Oh, that's great. Thanks very much. Uh, so the, 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 the background to this paper is um, uh, that, you know, in, currently in Zimbabwe, um, startups which would like to build on uh, cryptocurrencies technology, which is blockchain technology, uh, and uh, any businesses which would want to transact in cryptocurrencies, they, they can't do that uh, because... Uh, there is a circular which was sent out by the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe um, in 2008, I believe, uh, and it banned the banking sector from uh, taking part uh, in any any transactions which involve cryptocurrencies. Um, and uh, since then, uh, the situation has been like that. It's never changed, uh, which means we've never had an ecosystem of many startups uh, which are building on this technology. The ones which are there, uh, they face challenges because if they have to do banking, uh, they will have to find an account offshore. Uh, they can't access funding either because that means any venture capital funds uh, are not willing to invest in these startups uh, in Zimbabwe because they know that the regulatory uh, landscape is not clear enough. Uh, if they want to get their money out after they've invested, they are unable to do that because uh, these transactions uh, are caught out and they can't um, do do anything in terms of uh, repatriating uh, their funds, which they would have invested in the businesses. So we came up uh, as the blockchain technology think tank 
uh, and we came up with this paper uh, because our aim is targeted at informing policymakers uh, and also the public so that they are aware of the benefits of these technologies because we've seen uh, blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, the growth which they've experienced in the past few years. Uh, some of us have been involved with, with this sector for a long time and um, we, we, we would like to see an environment where startups can can flourish, they can access funding from outside Zimbabwe, and they can build their technologies locally. They can experiment with the technology and build solutions which are relevant uh, for our economy. Uh, so that, that's where we, we are coming from. Uh, and uh, most people would have heard uh, about you know the growth which has been experienced in this space, uh, if you look at Bitcoin, for example, which is one of the cryptocurrencies, the major one, uh, it experienced growth in value uh, late last year. I mean, sorry, not late last year. Uh, in the middle, when the pandemic just started, uh, I think the price for Bitcoin was around $2,000, sorry, $3,800. Uh, that's the law it got to. Uh, today, it's trading at over 60000 for one Bitcoin. Uh, so, you know, that's explosive growth. Uh, and if, you know, retail people in Zimbabwe, buyers in Zimbabwe were holding Bitcoin back then and they had kept it and uh, they, they cash out now, that, that means they would have, that would have improved the quality of lives for many people and uh, uh, even the economy itself because when you sell and you get US dollars, that is foreign currency you are actually bringing in. Uh, so that, that is the background of it, really. Uh, and uh, we, we have a few more people on the panel here uh, who uh, will be able to talk about some of uh, the, the issues here. So we, 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 are, we are happy to answer any questions about the, the paper. Uh, we hope some people or many people have already seen the paper and they've read it uh, and they may have any questions which they would like to ask. All right. Before we open up the floor to questions, I just wanted to go back to your, your background with cryptos and Zim because the overview of the study says it's to inform policymakers of the public about the importance of adoption of blockchain technology. But you yourself were championing a uh, private uh, blockchain and virtual asset bill. Um, what what made you pivot from you know, doing the, the, the bill itself to uh, the study, or are those two working in tandem? Uh, the, the, the bill itself, uh, I, I drafted it back in the beginning of the year. Um, it, it was something which I, I, I did uh, of my own initiative, uh, but uh, to be able to make people make sense of what uh, the bill was about, uh, in the background to it and, and to explain the importance of it, it was also important that they, there's something to, to accompany it. Uh, so the bill, uh, and, and the research, though they are separate, uh, I, 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 I did the bill, um, they are intertwined in terms of, uh, how people can read, uh, the bill because when they read the bill, they want to know the background to say, well, why why do we have to pass this bill? Uh, why do we need it? Do we even need it? Uh, and and the paper kind of uh, you know complements uh, 
what is in the bill. And it also articulates some of the problems uh, currently in the market. Uh, it, it also deals with, it doesn't only look at the, you know, the benefits. It also looks at the challenges in terms of regulatory challenges. Uh, so in terms of my, my background, um, I'm, I'm a technology lawyer myself. So, uh, I, I've been dealing with some of these technologies, uh, for startups, which are best here in Europe. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm moving on soon. I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, a financial services lawyer for the UK Treasury. Uh, so uh, I, I'll, I'll be getting involved in some of uh, these issues about regulating emerging technologies which are entering the UK market. So I, I do think, you know, it's important that uh, we, 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 we do have uh, a policy. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of scamming going around, uh, people losing their money. Uh, because some companies which are not legitimate, uh, they, they are taking advantage of this gap. So it's also to help with protecting consumers so that when people want to invest, they will know where to go and then they will be sure that these companies are actually you know, legitimate. They won't lose their funds. All right. Yeah, the, the scamming problem has been an issue because without any legislation uh, to, to sort of quote-unquote regulate cryptos, which is weird because cryptos are decentralized by nature, but I guess a framework is needed in, in some respects to, to kind of bring them into line and discern which ones are good and which are bad. Um, but that aside, can you go over the bill in, in just an overview of, for those who might not have read it or those who want the too-long-didn't-read version of uh, what, what's in the, sorry, in the, in the study? All right. So, so the, the, the bill, I'll start with the bill first. The bill sets out, um, some, some, some elements in it, which, uh, enable the, 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 the regulator, because one starting point is actually choosing who the regulator is, uh, initially because the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe, uh, from the dealings I've had with them in the past, they were the ones who were going to take responsibility for it. Uh, though I had articulated before that, you know, this is not mainly their area in terms of uh, how to determine which projects should, can run or not, or can be permitted or not, because uh, some of the uh, tokens which are out there in the market, they kind of represent securities. Uh, so the Reserve Bank are not, you know, equipped enough to handle the matter of whether, you know, determining whether something is a security or not, because that's the jurisdiction of the Zimbabwe Securities and Exchanges Commission. Uh, so when the first draft went out, some people may have seen it circulating on WhatsApp. Um, it, it had uh, the Reserve Bank as the regulator. Uh, but then when the cabinet passed um, uh, a suggested amendment to the Securities Act to include uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, or they're calling them virtual assets, uh, then uh, we, we, the bill got amended. We am, I amended the bill to make the regulator uh, the Zimbabwe Securities and Exchanges Commission because in the first place, that's who I thought uh, should have responsibility for it. Uh, so now uh, that 
this uh, you know amendment which is being proposed is out there uh, it is appropriate uh, and we've distributed it to SEC uh, the, the the research paper and uh, it is an appendix which is the bill uh, SEC acknowledged that they were they've received it and they are considering it and they will come back to us um, with, with any 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 more uh, feedback which they may have so the the bill it allows um, it gives SEC the powers or the regulator at this point because we don't know whether that will change. The regulator will get powers to uh, license, to issue licenses to businesses which want to uh, build uh, technologies in this space or, or, or which wants to tap into the market. So we are looking at businesses like exchanges uh, because when you want to buy crypto, you need an exchange where you go on to, you, you, you register, you have an account there, and you can buy or sell. Uh, these exchanges, though, they need to have access to bank, banking services because if you are to sell your crypto on the exchange, you want to realize your gains in actual money. Um, if the banking service sector in Zimbabwe is banned from doing that, uh, you are not going to be able to do that. So you are left with the option of having to sell to someone or to sell for another crypto, uh, which many people may not want. So the, it enables uh, these exchanges to set up in Zimbabwe, apply to the regulator, get clearance, get a license, go through the test which the regulator sets. Uh, you see things like money laundering become big issues. So the regulator will put in uh, some requirements to say for you to be able to run your exchange in Zimbabwe, you need to have um, you need to have uh, AML uh, procedures in place. You need to ensure that you know the funds for investors are protected. Uh, the, the, it's just to put in some sort of controls which are sensible, which protect consumers because the exchange is uh you know custod a custodian they keep the assets on the exchange you they, they will be holding people's funds because of that so uh you you you, you really have to um you know have oversight over them as the regulator and be able to direct them to do certain things uh like if uh you think their security is not good enough you can direct them to do something. You want to make sure that uh, people's personal data is safe. You can give them instructions. If you think they are a risk, uh, they are not complying, you want to have powers to be able to stop them from operating uh, or to revoke their license. So that licensing regime uh, will enable these businesses to set up in Zimbabwe uh, and be able to access banking services. Uh, and uh, it's not only exchanges, because you also have crypto custodians, uh, which are like, uh, you know, where your crypto can be stored and kept. Maybe not the crypto, but the private keys, because if, with this technology, it's mainly private keys involved. So you, you want all those businesses to be able to do what they want to do. You want fintechs which are building, uh, using cryptocurrencies, maybe in payments, um, because payments is a big, big area which uh, is being disrupted by these, uh, you know, these cryptocurrencies. So you want to have uh, some some sort of 
uh, permissive regime uh, in the bill, it gives the regulator the powers to give those licenses. It also gives the Minister of Finance some powers to have control over the policy because, uh, you know, some of these decisions can be political sometimes uh, and uh, political players still want to to have an input in it. So it enables the Minister of Finance as well to direct for some things to happen uh, because they may be worried about uh, the stability uh, of the financial sector as a result of, uh, you know, the, the, these tokens being in the market. Uh, and uh, so, or, or maybe to control how much foreign currency is leaving the country or coming in uh, and things like that. So, so, so that, that, that's what that bill does. It gives all those powers to um, certain people to be able to do certain things, uh, most of which I've explained already. Uh, and it also gives power rights of appeal for the the, 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 the the entities which are being regulated. If they are unhappy with a decision, say, to revoke, they can challenge it uh, before they go to the courts. They can have an appeal process in place, uh, which ensures also that their rights are being protected. So mainly, uh, you know, that that is um, what, what, what the bill is about. Uh, I don't know if if I have explained it uh, properly. Well, well enough for me because I read it a bunch of times. Uh, maybe we can move on to the to the study as to the points that you found in the study and the case you're making for cryptos in Zimbabwe. So sorry, I, I didn't get you there. I'm saying to move on to the study, uh, the points that you found okay. that uh, made the case for cryptos in Zimbabwe. Yeah, on the study, I'm trying to get my, my colleagues to come on here, but I'm not sure whether the requests are working or not. Um, and I'll try. I've, uh, I've tried to add, add Tendai on there. Uh, I'll also try to add, um, I'll add Aussie on there as well. Um, let me see where else I can see in the in the gallery there. Um, all right, I can't I can't see anyone else. Yeah, uh, is on. Uh, so what 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 I'll do is I'll I'll, I'll go I'll go first and then I'll just explain what what, what our study uh, found out. Uh, yeah, it, it would be advisable for people to go and have a read of it because you you get more more information on what is going on so the study uh, was mainly aimed at uh, information passing information and educating uh, uh, you know for about what this technology is being used for so we were exploring different use cases um, which which are currently on on the market and we had some case studies uh, if you see in the research paper, uh, one of the case studies was uh, one of the companies building digital ID solution in Zimbabwe called Flex FinTech, um, which is headed by Victor Mpunga. Uh, they've been quite successful uh, in, in, in this space because they earlier on this year got awarded, um, you know, pioneering technology um, company uh, or, or, or one of the pioneering technologies uh, of this year uh, by the World Economic Forum. They are building these solutions off their own back. They got some grants 
from uh, a, a blockchain company called Algorand, and uh, they, they they built the solutions. Uh, but they are not being consumed even in Zimbabwe. These solutions, which is heartbreaking, because you would think our own local businesses would get the support they need uh, to be able to succeed, uh, if, even if it means the government doesn't want to consume these services or the private sector doesn't want to consume these services, at least help them with some funding. Um, they, they've done well without all that. Uh, and uh, it's a bit disheartening that we are not the consumers of the products they are making. They are having to go outside Zimbabwe and uh, provide these digital ID solutions to uh, other African countries because they are aimed at the African uh, economy. Uh, so with sovereign digital IDs, uh, it means you have your credentials uh, online uh, and they are secured by uh, private keys. Uh, and um, I will have someone on here. I'll get Sean to speak to you uh, about uh, those uh, sovereign IDs, and you'll uh, be able to unpack it more because I know he's done some research on that area. Uh, but, you know, uh, so we, we also looked at a case study uh, of a young man uh, from who is in Zimbabwe as well. Most people know, know him who are in this space by the name Julio. Uh, he's doing uh, non-fungible tokens, uh, which is you, you get your art, you tokenize it, and you sell it on. Uh, and he's had a big success, uh, but he's not the only one. We picked that case study because it's quite outstanding. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's done a lot of work for, for Drake, uh, you know, drawing drawings which he sold, which he ended up selling on, uh, on, the, on the platforms where you can sell your, your art. Because NFTs are like tokenizing your art and you make it more scarce. Uh, so if you draw an image, you tokenize it on the blockchain, like on Ethereum, using many platforms like OpenSea, uh, you sell it to the rest of the world because this is a very popular platform. Uh, he's had a lot of success. One of his pieces, I think, sold for uh, around two and a half Ethereum, which was at the time uh, worth, uh, I think it was worth $8,500. Uh, now it's worth, because uh, Ethereum is now gone above 4000 So it's now worth even more uh, at this point. So, you know, artists like that, they have a challenge. In Zimbabwe, the banking sector can't transact in cryptos. When they make their gains, they can't uh, access what their funds. They would have to sell abroad and then, you know, get their money through remittances, uh, which in a way... Uh, you know, is a loss to the government as well because if they are able to uh, enable all these activities to happen in our local economy, uh, it means they can even have uh, some tax regime of some sort, maybe not hit them too hard with taxes, but uh, they, they could generate revenue from it if they wanted. Uh, and uh, so that that is one. Those are the two use cases we looked at from Zimbabwe, but there are many other, you know, projects which are building on this top technology. I, I can think of four or five outside this. Uh, so this is only one use case, which is, uh, you know, non-fungible tokens. They can be used by artists who do uh, even music. Uh, Tory Lanez sold one of his album in less than 50 seconds uh, and made millions from it uh, as an NFT. So it's it's something which is 
being adopted uh, globally. Uh, but we also looked at other use cases like in agriculture. Uh, we've got uh, we've got uh, a specialist on agriculture, uh, but I can't see him on here. Um, I tried to invite him or Tendai here. Uh, I will invite Tendai. You will speak about the use case in agriculture. So that's one of the use cases we look at. We looked at. Sorry. Uh, so the, you you can adapt this technology for so many things. Uh, I think most of you would have heard about the central bank digital currencies as well. Uh, you can the banks are now uh, using blockchain technology to put uh, you know currencies national currencies on the blockchain uh, to get some efficiencies. You you probably had Nigeria is the first country in Africa to launch a central bank digital currency. Uh, and uh, we, we, we are waiting to see how that will go. Uh, but at the moment in Zimbabwe, uh, the last time I heard, uh, there was no plan for a CBDC because they are saying there's no use for it. Uh, yet all the other central banks uh, globally are uh, doing research or at advanced stages of launching. Even China, they already have one. So uh, those are some of the things, you know, we, we possibly are missing out on because um, the expertise, if you ban something, you, you lose the skills you could have gained uh, from the local population. People migrate. They'll go and build these solutions outside. They're not going to build them where they are banned. They will go where they are wanted. Uh, places like South Africa, uh, Nigeria, I've just said in Nigeria today, the court in Nigeria have ruled that the ban on cryptocurrency projects uh, accessing banking services there was unlawful. So Nigeria is likely to reverse that decision now uh, because the court has ruled it unlawful. So uh, India had tried to go down the same route of the ban, but they've now since reversed it. And they saw a windfall in investments when they reversed that decision uh, because the foreign companies and local companies, they are interested in building solutions in this space. So what, what, what I would do is, you know, I, I, I'll let uh, some of my colleagues speak because I've been speaking for too long. Um, I'll, I'll let Ozzy, uh, Ozzy is a, is a software developer, is a blockchain developer, and uh, he, he is one of the uh, authors of that report, research paper, and uh, he, he has a lot of experience uh, in the software development space. So I'll, I'll give him some, some chance to speak, uh, and he can comment uh, on, 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 on our works uh, together. Ozzy, to you. Oh, yes, I don't think. Oh, yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. As uh, as 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 Prosper was mentioning, uh, yeah, we we would really like to. What 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 I like really like to see is uh, with respect in Zimbabwe, uh, I like to see like more the you know the ecosystem develop because uh because that regulation will really uh, help the ecosystem develop. Uh, not only just say exchanges uh, and other things, but it really really allow like startups to develop because regulation is there to protect the, the consumers right uh and also it's not only to protect to like to give our own company leverage but just to protect the consumer but also have that uh, regulation allow innovation to prosper you know uh to people to innovate and companies to innovate so you know, to develop that ecosystem because uh 
there, there, there's so much more you can do because even our, our use case we've tried to list like certain use cases but there's so much more that's uh that's possible to do because uh blockchain is, as most of these blockchains yeah if you if you just see them as uh, uh bitcoin or ethereum and you just look at the coin itself you're probably missing the biggest aspect of it because these are not just coins uh, or but they're actually platforms right uh they're networks bitcoin is a network ethereum is a network uh, and some of these networks are actually platforms, platforms that you can actually build upon, right? So, uh, in my in my so like my own opinion is that's where the big economy will be able to rise. It's like the internet, you know, like the the dot com. It's like the internet in the early two thousands, right, where people were buying for domain names and things like that. It's similar, but this time, uh, it's the internet, uh, the network. But this internet, imagine it. This internet has got a native currency inbuilt into that into that platform, into that uh, uh, network, right? So there's a native currency. Uh, so so this native currency will allow you to do all sorts of things, right? It allow you to, to interact uh, with, uh, to create instead of having say you go to uh, Bloomberg and there's a paywall that say, oh, you need to pay a dollar to 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 to, to view this content. It could all be integrated as well as and then you could just pay automatically. You could allow to do these uh, microtransactions. It, it allows this, even NFTs, you know, because NFTs, they, would just, they wouldn't just apply for art, you know, they would apply for other things as well. You know, you could, because you could tokenize, say, uh, certain documents, you know, title deeds, uh, and, other, and other sort of like assets like that, right? And you could have digital twins. Uh, where you can have the physical asset that exists in the real world, then you could have the digital token that also exists, and you could track, uh, and and you could have that ownership as well, like a digital ownership, was, uh, to track both the physical asset on on the on the, on the ledger, right? So it allows for it allows for for those sort of things as well. Uh, and the, and I mean they're so, they're so like really crazy because with some of these blockchains, you can push data to the blockchain as part of a transaction. You can push images, videos. Uh, 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 you know, uh, all sorts of files, right? You can even push application programs, right? You can even have uh, 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 EXEs, right? For part of the transaction, you can have an EXE that runs on your block on the blockchain, right? So you can have an operating system that decentralizes and runs on the blockchain, or any sort of program, and you can interact that as as it executes on the chain. So it allows for sort of like really sort of like crazy imagination of what you could do. So, 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 so it depends on your imagination on what you want to create. Uh, because I've seen I've seen lots of different uh, sort of like applications that uh, that, that, that 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 run. Uh, I've seen sort of apps like say say on Twitter, uh, say me on Twitter, I probably earn like uh, maybe twenty twenty cents twenty cents to a dollar every day. Uh, because what it is is there's an app called Genuine Retweets, you know. So so uh, with on Genuine Retweets, uh, you just log in, you log in with your Bitcoin wallet. I log in with my Bitcoin wallet. Uh, then they verify my my account. My Twitter account is verified. Is that is a legitimate account? Yeah. Then then that's it. I'm good to go, right? Because they message me every day. Like oh yeah, they so there's these offers to promote. I look on. I go to their website. I see I can promote this. So it's just a tweet, right? And then I can say so, oh I can like that tweet or I can uh, I can retweet that tweet. As soon as I retweet that tweet, I get twenty cents or fifteen or fifteen cents for that. So it's like advertising, but the advertising said anyway. And then as soon as they see that tweet is sent, right? Uh, it, it, the, the money comes straight to my wallet, so so there's all these sort of like interactions, right? Uh, so there's all it's it's a platform basically. That's what I'm to say. It's a platform, so it 
just like the internet is a platform and you can build all sorts of things on the internet just like the world wide web was built on top of the internet then on top of that was built all these all these apps that we have from banking to uh to e-commerce uh to all these bit or everything is built so it's just it's just your imagination uh so so that's what i want to see uh maybe i could give tenda you could talk more uh, on this as well yeah i think tenda can go on about um the the use case in agriculture because i know he's published a book uh, which is available on Amazon for those who are interested, uh, which explores use cases uh, in agriculture. So to you, Tendai, uh, and uh, then uh, we'll get Victor, I mean, sorry, we'll get Valentine if he has something else uh, he wants to say uh, or to, to ask to us. Hello. Oh, hi, guys. Um, so, okay. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me. Hello? Yes, you can hear yeah, you. I can hear you. Ah, cool, cool, cool. I was having problem with my ne- problems with my networks, so just wanted to check there. Um, yeah, um, I think a lot has been said, but maybe I can just uh, add on a bit on the agriculture a- aspect of things. Um, blockchain and agriculture, they seem like uh, two things that cannot be married together if you look at them from... <clears throat> You know, and another. But if you look at them from another angle, you can see that uh, the world that we're living in these days has got a lot of challenges, and some of these challenges uh, involve uh, maybe managing our growing populations. Um, because as populations grow, then the demand for food also is growing, and with that demand of, for food means that we have to innovate in terms of how we approach our, you know, farming activities and. Um, there is an, an an urgent need in the world over, not only in Zimbabwe, but in the world over, for farmers to look for other ways uh, or better ways to 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 to, to farm. And uh, as I as I as I as I've said that we have got a growing population, and also the challenges that are facing farmers these days, they are growing because we are having droughts. You know. Uh, more happening more often and uh we've got issues like pests we've got issues like uh you know diseases that are affecting uh our animals uh, affecting our, our our plants then we've got uh issues like desertification that is also uh taking center stage so you know with now harnessing blockchain for agriculture we are we we, we 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 can be able to simplify uh our farming pro- processes uh and also uh we can be able to enhance issues like uh supply chains um uh, in terms of how we move the the the, the food get uh, gets to move from uh the farm to 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 to, to the dinner table uh, areas that blockchain uh can solve uh in terms of problems uh, are issues like land records, you know, I think the land issue here in Zimbabwe is a hot topic and there are issues like maybe double allocations of, uh, you know, or multiple farm ownerships. So in terms of land records, you can, uh, use the blockchain to clear those areas. And, uh, not only that, but once we have our, uh, our, our land ownership records on the blockchain, it means that in the, uh, uh, years where maybe we have uh, issues like maybe war 
or if we have got uh, natural disasters happening and uh, you know physical records get destroyed. But if we have those records on the blockchain, it means that uh, those records are safe. And these are not uh, only ideas, but if you look at the United Nations uh, Development Program, UNDP, is working in India with uh, uh, partners to make land registries more reliable there. So it's something that is already happening. And if you look at issues like uh, the traceability and the maybe auditing uh, food uh, or a movement of the movement of food, you find that we've got issues uh, like GMOs and how do you get to control, how do you get to certify that your food is maybe uh, genetically modified or not? How do you certify that what you get is uh, organic? Uh, in terms of uh, <clears throat> what's happening right now, they, they, that area is a, a bit hazy. It's not, it's not clear as to how do you get to certify because anyone can just, uh, you know, label something and then say that's, that's it. But with the blockchain now, if those records are get, get to be recorded onto the blockchain as uh, the process happens, uh, like uh, when the farmer harvest, then they go on, uh, they record that onto the, onto the blockchain, maybe using uh, IDs that they can scan. And then the next person does the same thing along the chain. It means that at the end of the process, you can easily verify those records and uh, be, be sure of what you're consuming. And then also there are issues of uh, uh, logistics, uh, the movement of of, of 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 farm produce as well, and uh, also the issues of payments. Uh, with the blockchain, we can be able to uh, we can we can be able to cut the middleman. That's that that may be in the in in the middle of the process uh, of, of 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 the delivery of full of of produce from the farm to 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 the end user. Uh, and uh, also, we got the issue of smart contracts that can be used to ensure that farmers get paid on time or farmers also get paid paid uh, when they need the funding. And uh, also, farmers can all, the, uh, smart contracts can also be used to uh, ensure that um, issues like uh, the, insur- the, the insurance of, of farm produce is easily implemented. And then also there are issues like uh, forest and wild, wildlife con- conversation that can also be put onto the blockchain. Some of the examples of where blockchain is being used for agriculture, you can look at uh, the World Food uh, Programme uh, is also testing blockchain technology as part of uh, its building blocks pilot to make cash transfers more efficient. Uh, they are doing this in Syria and in Jordan, where the building blocks project is being used to to to, to make um, to, 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 to make uh, cash transfers to farmers uh, more efficient in in terms of payment, as I was saying. And then, so those those are some of 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 the examples of uh, how blockchain technology can be used. Uh, so you you find that uh, here in Zimbabwe, because of the ban that's there. You know, uh, innovators and uh, entrepreneurs do not have enough. Uh, you know, uh, do do not do do not do, do not end up not uh, de- uh, devoting enough time to these uh, kinds of, uh, of 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 innovations because 
the area the 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 area is gray you know the environment is gray the government with this ban has has made sure that you know they've actually by banning cryptocurrency they've banned innovation because you cannot innovate in an area that you know uh can change any time or that you know that if the, the government of the day is not accepting so that's that that's 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 it in a nutshell but i think later on i'll be able to take some questions if they are there over to you Potter. oh th- thanks tendai i i'll just speak a little bit before i give back to valentine in case uh, he's got something to uh pu- push to us uh yeah uh i i i i i i will explore more on the issue of uh you know how our farming also can uh you know our insurance industry is running using uh the same blockchain technology for 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 farming uh like the example which you've talked about that farm, farmers can get funding uh there's uh, a pro- project called etherisk which uh ensures uh crops for for, for for farmers so if you have your crops you can take out insurance uh and you can pay uh, whatever the premium is and uh if the crops fail you can get those crops you know you can get your insurance policy payout on them but they are using blockchain technology in a way which is uh really mind blowing i think uh so they have a smart contract because smart contracts what they are is it's like an agreement which you would get your lawyer to write for you but this one is more clever uh it can interpret uh things and uh execute when the conditions are met so rather than going back to your lawyer to say well you, they've breached the agreement uh or if they breached the agreement uh the smart contract knows so they set up a smart contract uh for your insurance uh the smart contract triggers based on uh data coming from satellites in space weather satellites so if uh there is a drought in a particular area the satellite knows that there's been a drought so the farmer doesn't even need to make a claim because the data is coming from independent source to say there's been a drought in this area so the smart contract simply gets the data from the satellite and executes and pays the farmer what whatever they uh, you know their the insurance cover was for and they will be able to access the funding again to uh, either plant the crops again or uh, keep preserve their capital whatever they need to do so that that, that is uh, interesting and on on the supply chain uh, i thought i might as well emphasize on that that you know these are use cases which are already out there walmart right now you can't supply walmart uh, unless you are signed up uh, on their on their blockchain uh, because they want to know where the food is coming from they want to track the supply chain they they are combating problems like salmonella poisoning uh when when they use blockchain technology it means if a farmer inputs the data at the source where uh the the, the, the crops are being planted and when they are harvested they know exactly where they've come through uh, because they are getting scanned and the records kept on the blockchain as they come into uh to to retail to uh, to the consumers so it means they can quickly uh tell that the source of the salmonella is for example uh, uh if they are being supplied from zimbabwe they will know straight away because they will be able to trace the, that supply chain to see that, that that's where the um that's where the food has come from which uh the vegetables have come from which have salmonella poisoning so they can actually 
close it out and save themselves from making losses because otherwise they would have to destroy all the vegetables which they have uh, which they are about to distribute simply because they don't know where the supply chain has failed uh, and, and brought this in so you you, you can see that those real-world cases, uh, they're using VeChain, which is one of the uh, cryptocurrency pro projects out there. Uh, that's what they're using to track their supply chain. It's now being used also for drugs, uh, countering fake drugs. Uh, the, the supply chain for drugs, it, it can go from the manufacturer of the drugs scanning when they package them and when the consumer gets the, 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 the product uh, on the shelf, they can scan to verify that this is actually an original. It's not a fake uh, consignment. So it's actually going to uh, change a lot of things. But my main strength is in capital markets because uh, I'm, I'm a financial services lawyer. Uh, and in, in capital markets, uh, we've seen serious disruption there, um, especially in places like the U.S. Uh, they've gone really, really further. Uh, most of you would have heard about uh, the Bitcoin Futures ETF, which is uh, a security. Uh, so Bitcoin has gone from people holding it uh, as retail me and you and saying uh, we, 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 we are going to, uh, we are going to, to stop uh, this madness of governments printing money. Uh, that's how Bitcoin started. Um, me and you... Uh, transacting on the network now it's a, a regulated you know environment in, in the u.s they've got exchange traded funds uh we, we, which represent securities you can companies can invest in, in 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 the market though they are not the actual ones which the market really wants to have serious growth because you will require the spot one uh but uh it's it's an area which is growing a lot because the futures market for crypto in the u.s is massive uh it's developed very very much and the banking sector as well uh is developed at a phenomenal rate uh i i was seeing recently that uh they are looking at ways in which uh you know the the fdic uh, which is kind of the the association for for, the, for bank deposit taking institutions they are looking at way of enabling banks to use and hold Bitcoin. Uh, they already have bank charters which allow banks to convert, I mean, cryptocurrency uh, fintechs to convert into banks. So if you see this sort of, you know, development happening uh, in those places, uh, you know, the, it's unlikely that, you know, this technology is going to go away. And uh, you, it, it would be interesting to see our capital markets develop in that way uh, where we can see ETFs, uh, where we can see, um, you know, the payment sector grow, where we can see, um, you know, companies which are using this technology be able to, may, maybe it's too early for them to convert into banks in Zimbabwe, but at least they should have a chance to uh, compete with the banking sector and be able to uh, deliver some efficiencies for consumers and uh, have some savings for people. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give it back to you, uh, uh, Valentine. Yeah, you can add a few things on there, Prosper. So, yeah, like, okay. like, yeah. like from some of the stuff that you're saying, like I can give back examples, like agriculture, uh, like uh, there's even companies in Norway that have affected uh, uh, like, uh, like SAP or sub modules that are based on blockchain, 
for tracking, you know, they do fishing, a lot of fishing that they can track all their salmon or whatever, it's also the supply chain. So you've seen that a lot of, uh, this is called Unisod, universal sort of, of truth. Unisod is based in Norway. They've already got sub-modules that are available for enterprise execution. Because now it's about enterprise adoption. And Japan is one of the leaders in uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and, and the other issue, like why I was saying, like, we need to develop the Zimbabwean ecosystem. Uh, one of the big things that's coming up is IP or patents. Because uh, as, as we have companies that uh, experiment and start developing on the blockchain, They'll be able to patent this technology because uh, that's one of the biggest fights will be. So if it be able to have some Zimbabwean or African companies being able to patent some of these technologies, it'll be a big boost because uh, because they, they are they are all patenting it. If you look at uh, if you know that uh, Bank of America used to have the same number of, of blockchain patents and IP registered as as much as uh, IBM. You know, some of these big banks they have made uh, they have like for real time transactions, uh, and then you find individuals like the Vinko of Spins, they're registering a lot of patents. Uh, uh, and, and people like Craig Wright has got like 800, 900 patents already, and 100 granted, and about 800 pending. Companies like Alibaba, uh, you know, all of those have got patents pending. Even Citibank, JP Morgan, they might, they might not say it, but all of them have got patents pending. Like yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Also. That's an area which I had actually not spoken about, which is quite important as well. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's and, uh, yeah. Because Bank, Bank of America has got a lot of patents for payments using blockchain. Um, and uh, most people would have also seen that this week MasterCard announced that, that they will be enabling uh, their network to pay for payments for merchants and uh, banks uh, to use uh, cryptocurrencies. So uh, I, I remember I tweeted about the patent for MasterCard uh, in 2018. They, they already had a patent for paying with cryptocurrencies in 2018. And I, I was saying to people, well, this is a sign that, you know, there's something big about to come in the future. And there we go. Uh, this week, the, the MasterCard is going to support cryptocurrency payments uh, for merchants and for uh, any, any any users on the on the MasterCard network. So uh, it, it's actually coming now to all, all to fruition. Uh, but some of the signs were already there. Uh, which is, uh, you know, the reason why uh, you find out uh, some countries where they put enough research into it, uh, they've already gone on to set up some frameworks to enable that they attract uh, the talent to build these solutions as well as uh, the investment, the capital uh, to to have uh, solutions deployed in the market. So. You know, it's becoming really, really big. Uh, but I'll, 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 I'll ask uh, Valentine if uh, he needs to ask uh, something else. Uh, or back to you, Valentine. Well, thanks, Prosper. Uh, my the one thing I really want to ask uh, is that in Zimbabwe, the biggest thing is value preservation. That's we our local currency is is not the best, and that that's a bit of an understatement. Um, the biggest use case for cryptos in Zim, um, as many people would see them, is a way to ease that um, transaction and value preservation problem. So we can't preserve the money that we have in local currency. Uh, the US dollar is there, but it's scarce. Uh, these uh, these things snowball to the point that we uh, can't get loans, lines of credit. We can't have 
accelerators and incubators in Zimbabwe for startups that can use crypto technology, let alone uh, the adoption of the, the technology itself. So um, I guess to to the whole panel, um, I know this sounds like I'm kind of putting the you know putting the fire out on these very interesting innovations, uh, but in the common Zimbabwean's mind, the one thing to think about is money. Um, everything else is left to the enthusiast, uh, like everybody who's listening, to then get uh, smart contracts and smart patents and everything else on the blockchain. But in terms of value preservation of currency, um, I don't know how to phrase the question exactly, but um, maybe maybe saying it like this, maybe a guesstimate as to when we could potentially see um, the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe Ministry of Finance begin to thaw their very cold stance when it comes to crypto in the monetary sense. Yeah, uh, you know, for for value preservation, it's a it's a very valid point. I'll, I'll take that one, and then I will let uh, Ozentendai uh, say what if they they have something to say along those lines. Uh, but uh, on value preservation, uh, I I do remember uh, a few a few months ago, or just over a year, when the Reserve Bank was saying uh, the value for dollar. Uh, U.S. dollar against um, uh, Zimbabwean dollar is one is to one, uh, and now if you look, uh, you'll see that uh, the value uh, for dollar to uh, you know for for the, for the same exchange uh, is 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 gone. You know the Zimbabwean dollar has lost so much value. It's now on the official rate. I had one is to ninety five ninety seven yesterday from someone. Uh, and if you are holding your savings in Zimbabwean dollars at the beginning of the year of last year uh, at one is to one, you've actually lost significantly against the the, the U.S. dollar. Uh, you've lost 90, t- your, your, your buying power has dropped 97 times um, to, 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 because that's what it is. Uh, but if you were, say, for example, holding uh, probably just any cryptocurrency back then, uh, if you were holding Bitcoin, you would be up a significant amount because it's actually up a significant amount against the, the dollar. Uh, so you would have actually preserved your, your savings. So uh it, it just shows that you know you you are unable to rely on uh the local because uh, our local currencies get affected by local factors more uh bad policies uh a mixture of uh you know um yeah a mixture of things which affect uh whether our currencies can hold value but this is the huge benefit which uh you know these uh, cryptocurrencies can unlock if you go for the right ones you 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 can preserve your value, or you may not even just preserve preserve it. You can grow it because uh, Bitcoin growing from around four thousand uh, at the end early early last year to current price of over sixty thousand. Uh, you you would have uh, you know uh, actually grown your your money, uh, let alone just preserve its value. So. Uh, it, it's kind of difficult because now, now there are also stable coins, which people I think ought to be aware of because that's one of the use cases out there with stable coins. They are pegged to the dollar. Um, so they are just as good as the dollar, but they are digital. Uh, you can send them across the border. You can do whatever you want with them. You can pay for goods. You can simply hold it in your wallet. Uh, and preserve your 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 capital, preserve your money, preserve the value in your money. If it's a savings, uh, long-term savings, uh, you you could put your savings in there, 
uh, and you know that you know it's not going to lose value because uh, well, it will lose value because it's fiat. Uh, and yeah, so so you can you can preserve your 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 value uh, in in the in the in the long term if you just want to preserve value. Though yeah, like I was about to talk about the US dollar also losing value uh, because you know it's not only the Zimbabwean currency which is losing value. The the there's inflation in the US as well. Uh, if you've heard people like Elon Musk are starting to talk about it, uh, Jack Dorsey of Twitter starting to talk about it, they've put uh, some of their company reserves in Bitcoin. Uh, I remember Tesla buying 1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin uh, was it early this year or late last year, I can't remember. They're trying to run away from inflation because they know that uh, they, if you hold fiat currencies, uh, governments do daft things sometimes they print too much money uh they pursue bad policies which can result in uh you know the the, the, the money being devalued so um you know i i think you know there is an opportunity there mainly for the public but for that reason as well it could be another reason why the governments don't want to give people access to these markets because they they know people will, will, will take advantage of it and uh, they will uh, move away from using fiat currencies. But, uh, you know, at the moment, it looks like uh, some governments have been willing to accept it. Uh, but if you are in Zimbabwe, I think, you know, you, you don't have much of a choice. You just have to find ways of uh, leveraging the technology because if it's retail, you can do it. If it's if you, are, if you are an individual, you can do it. No one can stop you from doing uh, what what you want to do. You can do crypto. Uh, you can buy the assets and keep them, or you can if if you, if you are looking to grow them, there are other products which are out there because it's a big big world. Uh, we we haven't even touched much of what is going on in that research paper because there is what is called decentralized finance. Uh, if some have heard about it, DeFi. Uh, lots of pro products you can uh, you can use on the markets like uh, stacking where you can gain more by uh, securing the network um, or valid validating transactions. Uh, and you've got uh, actual savings where you just put in your, um, your, your your stable coins and they you get given a certain interest rate for them sitting there. So there are these products which are now out there. Whatever you can do in uh, the, the, the real financial world, you are now able to do most of it uh, virtually on the online using this technology. So uh, it's quite a big, big area. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let Tendai or Ozzy speak if uh, you, you've got something to add on that point. Yeah, um, yeah, you, you, you're right. In terms of value preservation, I think it's... Um, yeah, it's 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 an area that 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 needs to be looked at, uh, because in crypto, it's true you can make a lot of money, but it's also true that you can lose it as well. Uh, there is there is a term that's being used these days. You can get rugged, as in you can fall for scams, and then there's also a lot of potential there. So, uh, usually, uh. I usually like to to advise people to actually do a lot a, 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 a little bit of research before plunging into it. Um, there are a lot of coins. Some are very cheap, and some are, uh, by the looks of it, they look expensive. But 
it's not only it's, it's not it's not uh, only that the cheap ones are going to go up. Some of them may continue going down, and some of the the, the ones that might might seem expensive it will still go up. So you you need uh, one needs to do uh, research. You know, look at at, at at the project. You know, uh, before going in, uh, read the white paper. I, I was recently talking about uh, this on my uh, my timeline about reading the white paper when I was saying that there's a project out there that's, uh, that is allocated 30% of its, its coins uh, to its founders and its funders uh, without any local period, which means that those people anytime can wake up and say, dump the 30% onto the market, and then the price uh, goes down. But also, from a Zimbabwean perspective, uh, as Prosper was saying, it's, 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 Crypto is, uh, uh, you know, like the fall of the Zim dollar is what actually pushed some of us into crypto. And um, uh, uh, like you were saying, there are a lot of options uh, for one to uh, preserve value. Yes, uh, we have got uh, uh, Bitcoin or any other coin goes up and then uh, it goes down sometimes. It's a cycle. But... Um, there are also other projects, pro- products there, like Prosper uh, was saying, uh, stable coins. Uh, I've done an article on my Medium about st- stable coins. Uh, maybe it, it, uh, that looks at stable coins in detail. Uh, um, that's an option as well. If you if you're going to uh, say uh, hold USDT, uh, maybe in the long term or in the short term, it might not go up, but it will will not go down. It will just stay maybe. Uh, being uh, one USDT being equal to one US dollar, so that's an option, uh, and that's an option also for maybe companies that might want to, uh, you know, pay invoices uh, like uh, overseas or receive payments overseas, and they are afraid of maybe, uh, you know, uh, the currency is going down amid the transaction or values changing. Then they can just opt for uh, using stable coins. They and also we, we there, there are a lot of uh, ways. It's only it's not only having coins that are begged by the US dollar as the USDT or other stable coins are like, but we can also have coins and they are, those coins are there that are stable coins that are begged by uh, maybe other currencies or that are begged by minerals. We've got a lot of gold here in Zimbabwe. We've got a lot of platinum. That's an area that uh, we should also be looking at, whereby we can have our stable coin that is begged by maybe our gold reserves, you know, because gold uh, really, uh, you know, uh, over fluctuates. It's, the price is a little bit constant, you know. It reminds me of Peter Skiff. But, that, you know, the, the price is a little bit uh, constant. <laughs> the price is a little bit constant. So um, we can have a stable coin uh, that is begged by, by our gold reserves, and then we can use that even for daily trading, you know, uh, for, for transactions. That's another way. And then we've got also uh, the, De- the the DeFi, decentralized uh, finance uh, uh, way of doing things, where we can actually be able to borrow and lend whatever we have and grow, you know, uh, in terms of, of of interest from uh, uh you know borrowing from from, from lending out our, our our reserves so that's another area that also as an individual one can look into uh d uh, five project p- products as well um yeah i think for now that's what i have to say 
Posi, do you have something on this? Oh uh, yeah, I, I can probably add just a few things. I know because it's 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 also like a cost thing for the African economies, like say Nigeria and Kenya, they made it really difficult to 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 send uh to to cash from a bank account to an exchange and uh, to a centralized exchange and be able to buy uh your your cryptocurrencies or your digital assets there. Uh, so so the trend has been sort of like moving uh from to to sort of like uh. The, the, the more decentralized exchange or, or the peer-to-peer one, like say uh, Paxful and local bitcoins, where individuals sort of like trade amongst themselves. So that has been the going trend everywhere in Nigeria and Kenya. In even most of the use, even after peer-to-peer transactions, even on Bitcoin, uh, most of the peer-to-peer transactions are actually being of African origin. So so that's where people are going. So like. Hello. Yeah. Sorry, I I I got muted on there. Uh, so I I think yeah. Uh, on what what you've just said, Ozzy. Uh, yeah, with peer to peer transactions. Uh, we've seen when Nigeria banned uh banking using um you know exchanges banking your gains from crypto into your bank account. Uh, the 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 volumes went up very very high. Uh, I think I remember at some point hearing that the volumes of Bitcoin transacted uh, in the uh, around uh, that time of the ban after the ban hit a, a high volume of around 40 million uh, a month, uh, which which I thought was significant, you know. And uh, you don't understand how these regulators really think because if they are saying we are going to stop money laundering through crypto and the volumes are hitting 40 million a month then they are, are completely missing the point because uh, that money laundering is still happening but it's happening peer to peer the only way to mitigate it is actually to get the people to get KYC and do the transactions using uh, the mainstream financial platforms where you have an oversight of what they are doing uh, and you know what is going on because uh, mo- mo- it's not mainly criminal who use this technology uh that was the false narrative which was pushed by uh, mainstream media in the early days of bitcoin that you know it's criminals uh, who are trying to sell or buy drugs while using it uh, yeah some of it is true there was a uh, silk road which was a big uh you know use of uh, bitcoin for, for 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 buying drugs and uh you know people doing contract killings paying in bitcoin and sh- people getting killed uh but you know that's moved on a lot from that time if you actually check the statistics show that there is less uh use of crime uh using cryptocurrencies because blockchain technology makes the transactions uh auditable they can be traced uh unless you are using uh you know uh previous coins but mainly the main cryptocurrencies people use they are traceable uh if you commit crime on the blockchain you are the most dumbest criminal out there because you are likely to get caught at some point uh so and and fiat as well still remains the most laundered currency like the us dollar is the most laundered currency in the financial sector a lot of money laundering doesn't happen with crypto because these people don't want to leave footprints they launder their money in us dollar in cash uh in the banking sector facilitates that 
uh, most of the laundering happens. You you see banks getting fined. If you search on Google, you see how many banks get fined for facilitating money laundering. Even banks here in the UK, like HSBC, they get caught up in this. Uh, they, they it happens using the current existing systems. Uh, but yeah. Uh, that, that was a bit of a rant, but uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop it there. On that note, Prosper, as well, you find that uh, when the RBZ uh, stopped uh, or banned uh, the trade of crypto, we had two um, exchanges that were there in Zimbabwe. We had uh, Golix and then we had Stikes. So what happened in, in during that time is that the RBZ... Uh, before banning, they used to ask for records uh, from those exchanges. And uh, uh, I, I remember at one time they were given the, the records of who was moving, what in terms of who was holding crypto, who was dealing in crypto. I don't know what they did with those records, but now what's happening is that uh, because they banned crypto, it, didn't mean, it doesn't mean that uh, people are, no, are not trading crypto, but it's now happening in the underground from that time up to now. And the, those volumes uh, that we used to move in during that time, the Golix time, have, mo- have gone up sig- significantly. For example, check uh, like the Chinese business community. I don't know, maybe it will sound controversial, but it's, it's what's happening. <laughs> the, the Chinese business community uh, and uh, a, a number of, uh, of foreign entities uh, that usually don't use our banking systems here in Zimbabwe. What they're doing is they source uh, the Bitcoin on the uh, black market for say, or I don't know if it's now a black market. Yeah, but let's call it a black market. They source Bitcoin there and then they uh, buy it using US dollar here in Zim and then they send it out of the country. So what happens is that, one, the government is losing revenue because all that money is no longer going through proper channels. Unlike during the Golex time, times, it used to happen, but at least the RBZ could get reports uh, of what was happening. But now it's no, it's no longer happening. And uh, b- besides that, what, is, what has also happened is that because there is now a black market, there is now a premium on Bitcoin. Right now, if I'm going to send you $10 in Bitcoin, I'm going to add 5% on top of that. We're not talking about uh, on the bond market. We're talking about you buying Bitcoin from me, Yen Zim, using your US dollar. If you're going to buy it from me using 10 US dollars, I'm going to add, people are adding 5 to 15% uh, as a premium on top of the price of, uh, say, Bitcoin or whatever crypto. So that is also uh, meant that uh, it's, it's actually putting crypto beyond the reach of other of most people because it's now a bit expensive. Now, also, because we do not have an exchange, it's difficult also for people to buy because to to to, to get crypto because exchanges like uh, uh, like Binance have kicked us out, and then it means that people end up uh, getting scammed by maybe projects like crypto shares, if I might say, <laughs> uh, whereby they end up uh, being told that you can't buy Bitcoin but you can buy shares in Bitcoin. So that 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 is uh, those are the problems that also are happening in the market. Uh, but volumes are happening. People are moving large sums of money, millions uh, uh, of Bitcoin uh, is being bought and sold in this country. Okay. 
Thank you, Tendai. Uh, I guess we open up for questions. Uh, Tapio has his hand up and Freeman is next. Uh, Tapio is itching to say something. Uh, you can unmute and go ahead. Okay, can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay, that's fine. I just want to make a contribution. Uh, firstly, on, on what Prosper was talking about, uh, traceability and the possibility of having audits. The real opportunity we're missing with the cryptocurrency uh, in, in Zim is there's so much activity happening in the informal sector where money is moving and business is actually happening outside the, the proper channels. And guys, the informal sector are actually making real money. But because they, 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 they're trading firstly in hard cash, they have no leverage and there are no records to, 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 to the transactions they're doing. Guys are actually doing very, very, very solid business, very viable businesses in this economy. But because there's no traceability and stuff, they're not able to then grow their businesses and then create leverage for the, for the finances that, that actually handle. A good example is if someone's, is, someone's business has a revenue of maybe four or five hundred dollars a day and they're making maybe, uh, that, that would come up to about what, uh, 7.5 a month or something. That's a really solid business in this economy. If people are using cryptocurrency to trade that, right, even using blockchain and, and uh, decentralized finance, those people will be able to access loans based on just their trades, not based on having proof of residence, based on what the what the bank manager thinks about your project. Stuff. Based on the actual money that they're making, they should be leveraging that. So that's the one opportunity that we're missing because of cryptocurrency. The other thing is even just the risk that's there with handling cash right now in this economy and the way things are, people moving large amounts of money around in cars and stuff, that's just not safe. You understand? And you can't even trust the banks with it, but you also can't trust you having the cash in your house and stuff. The risks are just too high in the economy, but people don't really, the, the, the RBC doesn't recognize that. Because a lot of people realize right now, if you go to Mbari, you realize that people are closing their shops down now. These guys have hordes of cash. And they now have to be making their way home. You, you hear armed robberies. You have so many things that happen because people are holding cash, which is really high risk. Oh. The, the, the use case scenarios that people can come up with uh, for cryptocurrencies uh, or, or tokens for our economy are, are totally different from the use case scenarios people have outside our economy. So for us, for this thing to grow, people have to know where they need it and how it works. And you can only come up with those use case scenarios when you're in the market because the guys in Bari, the guys in farming have use case scenarios that are very solid and are very practical. But they'll never be able to to be digitalized or changed into tokens and stuff because regulation already is banning the basic the trading of it and stuff. We're, we're, we're a crypto exchange and we're we are trying to, to, to establish ourselves in this market. We're a wholly owned Zimbabwean crypto exchange and it, uh, a few guys have supported us, but the battle is real because what they don't understand is KYC is the actual solution to the, to the stuff that they believe. Right now, you see the RBZ Financial Intelligence Unit running around, putting people's names in papers and stuff, and trying to see if how trying to track track back how these guys are moving money and stuff. But with cryptocurrency, you can't lie about it. That's what they don't realize. The blockchain tells you everything, so it's it's, it's a very open open thing, and they won't just accept it and have 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 it, have it move forward. If the government was to accept this, for, especially for the informal sector so much potential and so they can create so much leverage for that sector alone based on borrowings based on trade and stuff and they just hold that sector uh, that that economy back that's that's that, that's one of if i'm not mistaken uh in our 10th anniversary of econet's uh, space you brought up the same point for mobile money saying that we can use the yeah. same uh transaction point or you know transaction volumes for mobile money to use as leverage for for for, for financing and loan facilities it's interesting to yes. see that you've carried over the idea to this because it actually makes sense because the yeah, blockchain it, is forever it, so yeah you know, so, 
So, so, so, so when you see when 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 you say we have a scaling problem for 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 the small to medium scale uh, economy guys, it's not that these guys don't have viable projects. It's not that these guys aren't into business or they're not waking up in this economy and stuff. The bank won't lend the money because the first thing they will tell them is we don't have a record of your of your transactions and stuff. We don't know your revenues. We don't know and stuff. And it is. and also even for for an investment opportunity for the guys in the SME space, these people can invest and stack because they're smart enough to create money or sell products and make a profit. So they're smart enough to also invest in for their futures. Because if you look at the informal sector, these guys cannot take a holiday or a break because they have no investment opportunities. They have to wake up and trade every day because of the way the economy is. In, in Zim, the rate is changing every day. You have to make a decision every hour on the hour. There's, there's nothing in your favor. So sometimes you can't rest. I know guys who open their shops January to December. And they can't live the till because of the situation. But crypto is an opportunity for them to invest in stable coins, invest for their pensions. Because once they, they try and do stuff, you get a payment in Zim Dollar Cup. You have to run around and get rid of it. And some days it's not in your favor. <laughs> you understand? So you have two jobs. Right. First, you have to transact and make a profit. Then you have to run around to get rid of the stuff that you've been paid for. Because if you just if, you, if it's two, three days in your account, you lose the bulk of your stuff. You can't even quote someone anymore with the current situation. You understand? Yeah. Then you also have a situation where the actual money traders, guys, who are on the streets, these guys are actually making money. For as much as the Reserve Bank says it's illegal and stuff, these guys are actually making money. They're offering a service, right? If those guys were allowed to come into the crypto space, those guys actually totally understand numbers. I can tell you that a Forex trader, a, a, foreign, uh, a Forex dealer from, uh, from, from Roadport or from Copacabana can, can instantly kick it on any trading platform if we're talking about trading because they know their numbers. They're up to date. They never make the wrong move. They never ever sell at a loss. These guys know their stuff. So there's an opportunity for them to, to buy their trade on, on a global scale. Yeah. But and I also still, think the, the, so I also think the fact that uh, some of these guys are selling uh, funds on the, on the, on the, on the black market, some of them actually uh, surrogates of other people, bigger people are selling. But like what you're saying stays true because those guys, if they're yeah. given a float of X amount of money, yeah. they'll make sure that yeah. they make enough, you know, the, yeah. the rate changes when you ask them from, from time to time. Yeah. Exactly. But the, what you, the point, the point, the point you made earlier was really important that there is no trickle down of this innovation to the common man. These guys can actually yes. utilize this today. It's not about yes. government legislation and crafting yes. yeah. frameworks or whatever. These guys can actually yeah. make use of it today. And we're missing this massive opportunity. And yes. Prosper, I think I'll bring in Prosper at this point because I think you'll, you'll be able to speak me, more on this. Than can I, I just, can, can I just, yeah, let me just finish. So, sure. so right now, everyone knows what's going on with, with the financial intelligence unit, right? Don't look yeah. down for as much as they call it the black market. These guys are actually very innovative. If someone has tried to sell USD in the past week or so, since these guys started arresting people, you realize these guys have actually started using swipe machines and other gadgets just to stay out of the system. And they're using innovation, but they're forced into an innovation where it's criminalized, which is just unfair. If we had all those minds being open, we just talking about this in a round table, guys, how do we do this? How, that's where the use case scenarios come from, because those guys will tell you the real demand for cash. They'll tell the real demand for transactions and stuff and what should be happening. Thanks. That's, I think for now that's my contribution. Thanks, Sophia. I'll uh, bring in Prosper uh, and Rossi and 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 uh, Tindai before we go to Freeman. Um, uh, at, that, at this point, I, I haven't got anything to say. Uh, but uh, if Tendai and Rossi have got something to say, uh, you you can pick up on this one. I, I think let's go to Freeman. 
Hey guys, um, thank you so much for for the platform again, and I'm I'm glad that we are having these kinds of conversations here. Um, I want to make um a case again, like um like Tapio was was making. I want to make a case for the need for formalization, the need for you know a you know better regulatory frameworks within the country of, of Zimbabwe. Um, last night actually we were. We were brainstorming because I, I run a, a, a tourism uh, booking platform. It's called wei.com, and um, mainly we, we are dealing with uh, um, other African countries. Uh, Zimbabwe has just been tough for us, um, given the situation in the country. So we, we, we have just been doing a lot of our business in uh, in Kenya, um, Uganda, and um, uh, Tanzania, up there, East Africa. Uh, but in the past, I think in the past 12 12 or so days, we have received more than, I think, about 18 or so requests from Zimbabwe, uh, from people that are within the country that are saying, how can I book um, this lodge in Zimbabwe that we are seeing, because we, we have these lodges uploaded on our side, but they can't book, no one can book there. Um, and they're asking us, how can we book these lodges? And then we were brainstorming last night, like, how can we make this even happen for Zimbabwe themselves? Because one, you don't um, you don't have the cards, the you know international cards like Mastercard that can then pay outside because our systems are um, you know are mainly American. Um, and then we realize that people have got Zimbabwean dollars and US dollar paper paper money. The problem is uh, we're talking about maybe trying to integrate with EcoCash in Zimbabwe. But the problem is when we when I spoke with about I think about six seven people who had requested. Um, they, they said they were prepared to pay with U.S. dollar because I think it's kind of cheaper to pay with U.S. dollar paper, like the, the paper money, the actual U.S. dollar uh, to book a hotel than to use the, the Z, uh, what is it called, the Zimbabwean dollar, right? So now we have a challenge. Our systems are all automated, but you, you have these people that are within the country. You want to promote internal tourism within the country, but the people can't book. There are no systems to allow them to book. Um, you know, the uh, to, to to book for, for the hotels, the lodges, and so forth. Even the safaris. Now, if if there were, the, 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 these are opportunities where you could have coins, for example, like um, um, let's say a tourism coin that people can then buy at, at an exchange, and then they can pay. You know, they can use those to pay, but. Again, you don't have a formalized system to, you know, I, I think just because it's kind of criminal right now to, to be having these kind of things in, in the country, it's hard now to, to see how as a business person, how I can then come in and, 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 and take advantage of a formal system. Because for me, tourism within a country is kind of like a formal system that I cannot just come in and, and, and try to do, um, you know, Feja uh, Feja and say you can you can pay me like this and then I try to send people to do other things and and we we we, we cut corners. So I, I do think that th th there is a lot that this country um is missing just because of the reluctance um of the financial regulators to at least not not just um you know not decriminalize but also if if possible to just turn a blind eye like they used to do so that. People can start innovating um, um, along this way because I, I, I think Queen Mud is a, is a, is a, 
is an exchange. They could then, you know, extend their APIs and we can do these things in seconds um, and, and get things going, create employment and so forth. So that, that's all I just wanted to, to put in there, that there are so many opportunities that, are, that exist um, that we are not taking advantage of. That's very true, Freeman. Um, I, I guess before Ossie comes in, I started to say uh, a while back, I wrote a rather scathing, not scathing as such, but rather uh, disapproving article of the Minister of Finance. Um, I actually got wind of the story because Prosper had retweeted it, um, where he was visiting a crypto hub in Dubai. And uh, he said apparently it found uh, solutions for remittances uh, at that place. The disheartening thing is that... It, they are not seeing the innovations being done locally. Uh, there's a company in Zimbabwe called uh, Uhuru, a wallet that it does remittances using the blockchain. Well, part of the process is done using the blockchain. So the fact that you had to go all the way to Dubai to get this idea for remittances when there are players in the space, it's frustrating. Doubly frustrating is the fact that we've got, uh, as, as Prosper mentioned earlier, uh, Flex Fintech, which is doing really well on, on the global stage, not getting the recognition they deserve. Uh, I guess this is a bit of a dicey subject, but elections are coming up. And the one thing that we've been pushing for, at the very least myself, is online voter registration. And one of the ways to secure that is with digital, digital identities, and Flex Fintechs could help with that. But these aren't things that aren't being implemented because they they want to import these ideas. I guess the, the, the the motive is to import the ideas rather than to see what's being done locally. Now, Tapiwa and his exchange are even at a loss because, uh, and this is, means no disrespect at all. But I mean, if you've got these guys who are doing all of this at, at a global level, getting recognized by all of these companies, uh, all of these organizations, and the government itself is not looking at the resource it has in people and the skills that these people, these people have acquired. Remember, these guys have not um, gone to school or being formal education. Or not. They've actually actively acquired these skills through doing um, so not recognizing those abilities and not recognizing the innovation in Zimbabwe is why it's going to take such a long time for them to, to get to a point where we do get a tourism coin, where we do get, because in effect, um, cryptocurrency and eco cash are not that different. We are converting one form of money <laughs> to another to use in a certain instance. Uh, but why it's not viewed in the same light is, 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 is strange. Uh, Tapir, I'll go back to you, then I'll go to Aussie had had his mic off. So Tapir, you can go in quickly. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you can hear you. Uh, you, you might seem to have a bit of issues. Let's go to Oski and then we'll come back to you, Tapio. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to mention like what Freeman was saying, like uh, he was talking to one of the mobile uh, the mobile money operators uh, in Zimbabwe because uh, about APIs, because I think uh, it should also be included. So it's one thing we should also push for, maybe make it a government thing where, because uh, cause everybody is using mobile money platforms, right? So if uh, if we can get them to make APIs, like, because they are a bank, uh, so we should push for those open banking APIs, because that's the major hurdle. Uh, it's it's a world garden for them. It's a world garden, and they don't want to open up. Uh, and, and I don't think there's any way they'll ever release those APIs. Because MPS has done it, Safari comes release all the MPS APIs, uh, you know, to, to transact. So that will be a big boost to the to, to the fintech ecosystem, you know, as a whole in Zimbabwe. So uh, I don't know how much luck Freeman, Freeman had in uh, in negotiating for those, uh, but that's one thing we need to put. I think that's another factor because we need to push for those open banks, not just maybe Echo, uh, mobile banking, but even banks as well. 
banks and those more uh, those more uh, mobile banks as well, mobile banking banks. We need to push. Uh, we need to push for them to open up. I don't know how much. Uh, uh, the, the problem with um, the tech. Um, I don't know the companies. Not not the tech ecosystem in Zimbabwe. The companies in Zimbabwe is that. I I don't know. They are archaic. You know, because they want you to sign an NDA for for an API. You know, instead of them knowing that you are going to bring in volumes and and they are going to eat from you, they want to look like they're doing a favor to you. So, you know, I remember I had conversations with the guys at Econet and Telesale, and they wanted me to sign NDAs and and, and so forth. And those are things that, uh, you know, I'm not used to, to, to doing because, you know, we, we deal with bigger companies and they have all these developer platforms that we can all, you know, uh, piggyback from. But the Zimbabwean ecosystem, I don't know why they are secretive about things. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's what I'm saying. Like, we might have to, we might have to, because they'll never, I don't think they'll open up uh, willingly. So we might have to do like what was done in Europe, because what Europe did was the European, uh, European Union they had what's called the public service direct two. It forced all banks to open up to, to open up uh, their, their, their 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 banking system to create open banking APIs. So now, if you if you see now uh, in Israel, like here in the UK, all all of the banks implemented a uh, PSD two. They did their secure customer authentication, and then they opened up open banking. So they bought their APIs. So now, even if you're uh, if you're if you're on on say a Barclays mobile banking app. You can connect your HSBC account there as well. So you, so you can you can be on a mobile, a backface mobile. You can connect your HSBC. You can connect your uh, Royal Bank of Scotland. You can see all of those because it's all and it allows other companies to integrate. Say uh, the the accounting platforms, right? Accounting platforms can connect directly to your bank. Say it's Sage uh, Accounting Package. They can connect direct APIs and you can read directly from your bank account the statements, the expenditure, going in and out, right? So that would, it's a boost to the whole fintech and ecosystem and even blockchain or crypto startups. That would be a, a marvel to have those APIs. So I think it's something that has to be looked at, maybe separately, but it's something that, it, but I think they won't do it. So we have to push government or, or, or whoever is, is in charge for that part of regulation to force these guys to, to open up because I don't see them doing it on their own. I don't think so. So Freeman just talking about how difficult it is to deal with the guys, with the business in Zimbabwe and their view of uh, NDAs and stuff. If you see us as an exchange, the amount of business where we're generating just outside the economy and stuff and the partnerships that, that are coming up are very solid agreements. The moment you, you start talking to the guys in Zim, they have a very different view of business and they think maybe they're an island and that's not how business works. Because everyone's being valued to the table, but they always try to treat you as, as, as the small guy. They don't do things based on ideas and stuff. And what's also happening, what people don't realize and see about our economy, uh, the biggest pain for us is the experience that people come out with from the Zimbabwean economy is very unique. And it being unique allows people to have a very strong scaling power outside Zimbabwe. I'll give you an example of Mukuru. Which, which started off as a, as a, a text, uh, a fuel coupon texting type of, type of platform. This thing has grown massively, a, a, extremely massive. We can even talk about Strive, which is almost the, 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 the obviously go to example and stuff. But if you look at how Mukuru has grown and the system that they're using outside, it's something that came up 
because of the, the way the economy was when they started their business. And the things that they implemented outside, they've grown very, very far, very, very fast. Because it's not a public company, we don't have numbers. But if you see their network alone and see how they've grown outside Zimbabwe, you will know that these guys were strengthened and, and the idea came out of, of, the, of, the, of, 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 of the Zimbabwe economy because of the situation. But the government then doesn't realize that. This, this, this is a, a perfect training ground for a lot of ideas. Because we're a small market, we can never scale to that big. But we can practice something that can be scaled outside and perfect here before competition realizes what's really going on. But we never take advantage of, the, of, of those things. If you see the way people are responding to our exchanges that outside our economy, People will be shocked. But we opened this and started this targeting the Zimbabwean guys because we know that that's where the solution is needed the most. Yeah, and unfortunately, the things that are developed in Zimbabwe uh, end up being useful elsewhere. Uh, just referencing the story with the Minister of Finance in Tulinube, I think Victor, underneath his tweet, said, we might as well leave the country because we're not getting um, the support that we need uh, locally. Uh, is there anyone else who wants to ask the question, contribution? Uh, we've got about, I think, 15 minutes left. Yeah, um, I, I agree with what Tapiwa is saying, that uh, it's diffi- it's the, 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 this environment that we're in is very difficult. And uh, the, besides the, the economy being bad, uh, the regulator is not even making it easier. So my thinking is that uh, while we wait for the regulator to make up his mind, while also we wait, uh, while we, we are pushing the regulator uh, to probably see some changes, let's also continue to uh, build, even if we are going to be building for the outside world in the meantime. Uh, I like what you, Julio has done with, uh, you know, the NFT, in, in the NFT world. Uh he didn't wait for Zimbabweans to start buying his NFTs. He just, uh, you know, looked outside because all these platforms that we have, like Twitter or whatever, they are launch pads that we can use, uh, you know, to launch or to, 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 to explore and uh, outside the country. Uh, even as, uh, even if you are not an innovator, even as an investor, Read up on these things like DFI. Find out, you know, it's it's there. People are making money out there. If you have got a little bit of money, you know, imagine uh, that you can go onto a, a, a DFI platform. You have got maybe say five Ethereum. You don't want to sell your Ethereum, but you want to make money using that Ethereum. Use it as collateral. Uh, borrow, uh, say another coin trade with it elsewhere, make a profit, then pay back the loan, take back your collateral. That is happening, that is happening, and you can actually do it while you are still in Zimbabwe or even if you are outside the country. So, as we wait for the regulator, because what I found out uh, from the time Golix was banned in uh, 2017, 2018, um, some of us, we got disheartened by that because maybe others had monies on the exchanges and they lost and we got disheartened by it. But from that time up to now, it's been a lot of years. And uh, during that time, I remember Bitcoin uh, was around 3,000. Then it pumped up to around 20, came down to uh, six, seven, nine. But now it's at 60. Imagine 
uh, the time that people have lost whilst waiting for the regulator. So what I'm saying is whilst we wait for the regulator to make up his mind, let's look outside uh, 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 the country. Let's, if, if, if you are going to be building, build outside the country, then probably bring it back while, while, when it's finished uh, or after the, uh, the environment has maybe loosened up a bit. So that, that's my thinking that let's, let's, let's not, let's not uh, be disheartened by the situation, but let's continue. Oh, great. Uh, we've got a question or contribution from Taurai. Hi, Yvonne. It's a, not a question, just a contribution. Uh, I joined the conversation midway, so I'm not sure what I missed. And I'll probably just share based on my experiences. They were to talk about um, open APIs on especially the mobile payment platforms. And I'll share my experience, my experience on, on that issue. Perhaps also just touch briefly on regulation as it concerns crypto in this market. And I speak um, with regards to open APIs and integrations onto the mobile operator platforms as somebody who is connected to them. So I have multiple connections into all those uh, payment platforms, including uh, 400 other payment networks globally. So in Zimbabwe specifically, um, I think the operators have not opened them up because it would complicate their own platforms. But in my experience, working with them, if you talk to them and you do the NDA process and so forth, they will actually uh, help you integrate. So I'm not sure what experiences others have had, but I have an integration into EcoCash, Telecash, and the other platforms that are available in this market. Uh, of course, in different markets, you have open APIs for Safaricom, for example. We are plugged into MPSA, for example. It's it's, it's easy, but I understand the complication for them for not to open up those APIs. With regards to the regulator pushing them, I think the regulator is sensitive to the technical realities of actually having an open API. Of having an open API. I sit on a board that, rather a committee that looks into digital financial inclusion, and a lot of these issues have been discussed. It's particularly open APIs as well as having uh, USSD codes issued by the operators. And I believe that there's some progress now, given that the Potras has kind of nudged the operators to now open USSD codes to use that. I want to use them. So it's a gradual process. It's been slow, but I think there's some traction that's going on in that space. So what I would encourage anybody who wants to plug into the payment platform is talk to them, sign the NDA. Don't expect it to be as free as other platforms, but they they will still open it up to you and you can use it. There are payment uh, gateways in this market that are actually plugged into the um, mobile operator platforms and they are processing payments. So should you want to do it, I don't think that it's useful to agitate, to say, oh, the regulator should do this. Just talk to them, sign the NDA, and then plug in and then deliver your service. That's the first point. The second point relates to um, um, crypto. <laughs> so I, I, I was on the front line with regards to crypto. I was the single largest investor in Golix. Um, and uh, I was involved in all the conversations that entailed um, the regulatory action that took place. I think broadly speaking, uh, the regulator had no regulatory power over Golix and the crypto markets, but we engaged them from the onset. Part of the challenge became 
they were very cooperative as far as I can recall. Uh, they didn't hinder or uh, say you can go this way or that way. Basically, they supported a crypto regulation. The issue became, sorry, crypto um, operators. The issue became they wanted to share information. So they wanted us to share information with the regulator. And there were some missteps that took place. So I just want to clarify that. There were some missteps that took place in terms of sharing information that then gave rise to a number of challenges. Um, so a lot of you might recall that the way Golix was affected was not necessarily the Arab business itself saying we, we're shutting Golix down. It was rather they instructed banks not to bank Golix. So they didn't have regulatory oversight in a direct way, but they could impact the process. So this is important for guys who are talking about crypto on here, that even though they might not actually directly regulate you because the law doesn't say so and there's no law regulating crypto in this market, but should you want to plug into a bank, they will have an impact on you. So the best way is not to fight and antagonize them. I think the best way is to engage and work with them. This has been very useful for mobile operators. I think a lot of you are familiar with Hico Cash and how it came into the market and how there was resistance from multiple other parties, including the banks themselves who didn't want to see those operators come in. My experience is the RBZ is, as a regulator, is pretty open. Uh, what's, what's important is to engage them and have the progress that we expect to see in this market take shape. So um, in my experience working on the crypto side and also on the payment side, uh, it's more useful to engage. I have a lot of experience also working outside Zimbabwe, Africa, Middle East, and also the United States. Um, I heard Freeman talk about their open APIs and not other platforms. So those, those, those are very different, and they've evolved over the last several decades. So take, for example, the PayPal's, the Venmo's, and so forth, right? These are companies that have been around for a long time, and they're plugged into banks that have been specifically set for the purpose of uh, having fintechs plug into them. So if you think of PayPal and Venmo, they're plugged into web banks. So the best banks established in those markets are specifically uh, creating an ecosystem for, for fintechs. And that's, uh, that's not the case in Zimbabwe because the banks we have here have been around for 10, 15, 20 years. And it's taking a long time for them to turn around and realize, oh, with multiple other new banks that could plug into our existing ecosystem. And the reason for doing this is licensing, right? So the regulators want to regulate a licensed institution. And if the financial institutions are not ready to take the risk of regulatory licensing, then they won't incorporate you into it. And it's important if you're thinking of providing such a service to think about how you lessen the risk for the institution you are approaching. Um, taking a step back to crypto, for example, when we opened accounts for Golix, we, the first bank to actually take us on was CBZ. And they were actually upfront, like, the, we're going to bank you guys. That was, uh, that was the experience. The rest of the banks were very nervous because of regulatory issues, right? You take on risk once you plug in a fintech. And, and it's understandable why that risk arises, because a lot of fintechs are excitable youngsters who do a lot of strange things, and that can uh, bring in a lot of risk for the institutions. So I just thought I should say, share those insights, because I've, uh, 
I've done this in Zimbabwe, but I've done, also done it in Africa and Middle East and also in, 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 in other markets. And should anybody have any questions, I'm free to also just share with them specifically what they can do and what they can avoid. But most, the most important thing for banks and regulators is the risk. That's the most important thing. Thank you. Oh, thanks, uh, maybe, maybe I could uh, pick it up from there a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, th th thanks, uh, Freeman, uh, for, for your contribution. Uh, and uh, and thanks for Taurai as well for for your contribution. Uh, but maybe maybe Taurai, you may you may not have uh, known about uh, uh, the, the the research paper which is going out there, which we put out. Um, it's mainly trying to inform policymakers uh, and uh, the public uh, so that they have awareness uh, to, in, into these technologies and the benefits they can bring. Uh, but mainly uh, for policymakers to create some uh, policies which are friendly for startups so that they can uh, be able to build these technologies in a, in a regulated environment. Uh, and uh, the annex to the research paper has a draft bill uh, which will enable um, the, the, the regulators like uh, the Zimbabwe Securities and Exchanges Commission to manage all those risks which you were talking about uh, because there is a guidance out there from the Financial Action Task Force uh, about managing risks. Well, they've actually updated it today. There's a new updated version out there. Uh, so those risks, uh, the banks, uh, you know, they, they, they are now having some sort of guidelines on how they can uh, manage their risks. Uh, and uh, that, 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 that's the important thing. And uh, some jurisdictions have actually caught up with it. Uh, they, they, they are using their own local uh, laws to try and uh, mitigate those risks like money laundering and all that by implementing things like know your client, KYC, uh, and uh you know, so uh, where we are in Zimbabwe is uh, we are still at that point where that ban, uh, which came uh, through, uh, like you've articulated the issue of colleagues, uh, for which I was one of the, uh, I, I, I contributed uh, with, with Wapwell, Chitima was the legal advisor for for Golix, uh, I, I, I actually provided an opinion uh, on that matter. Uh, which was uh, part of the, the submissions which were made in the hearing. Uh, so, um, you know, we, what, what we are looking at is trying to see, uh, trying to influence the policy making uh, to, to ensure that, you know, that we get friendly policies which can attract uh, investment and enable our local entrepreneurs to build local solutions uh, and solve our own problems which we have locally uh, because you know we ban cryptocurrencies uh, you, you you miss out on the innovation which happens on the sidelines uh, some of which is not even crypto or crypto but uh, it's infrastructure uh, like digital ids for example um, you know, that, 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 those are the kind of things we are looking at trying to, um, to, to, to promote that debate, that discussion, uh, and, uh, persuade, uh, you know, regulators to adopt, uh, these policies to ensure that, uh, we don't get left out as a country because at the moment, uh, we, we are being left out. People, individuals can invest in crypto with no problems, but they have challenges. If you want to sell your crypto, uh, you, you have to sell it uh, peer to peer. Uh, find a buyer in the street, 
uh, or you have to sell it on an exchange which is outside the country. So uh, that, that is not really ideal um, for, for, for our economy. Uh, so, yeah, maybe you, you, you didn't know that there's some background to it. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that, that is where we are. I've been engaging with the Reserve Bank for a long time. Even the sandbox, which is implemented now, uh, I had an input in it. Uh, initially, it was meant to allow crypto projects to be able to uh, enter the sandbox, have some regulation relaxed for them until they, uh, you know, so that they gain an understanding, uh, the regulators gain an understanding of what they are doing and, uh, you know, ask them to do certain things which will reduce the risks uh, and make it, uh, you know, attractive for for use in the uh, in the economy but then uh, by the time that sandbox uh, was finalized uh, surprising enough uh, it, it explicitly banned crypto uh, which came as a surprise to me because um, you know i i had been i had got uh, you know i got i got engaged so that cryptos can come in uh, I, I actually suggested the sandbox in the first place in 2018 um, and uh, I've been, you know, di- in discussions with with the Arab for a long time. But it looks like now uh, the Zimbabwe Securities and Exchanges Commission are the ones who are going to have an oversight on crypto because uh, the cabinet minutes from a few months ago and from the uh, speech by the president as well, uh, they've said that uh, they will allow SEC to have oversight of uh, money laundering, the money laundering side of things, uh, you know, the the compliance requirements for what they are calling virtual asset service providers, uh, VASPs. So that that is the term which is being used globally, virtual asset service providers, uh, so that they can, um, when they are offering these services, they have to comply with certain uh, requirements to uh, to counter financing of terrorism and uh, laundering of uh, you know criminal proceeds. Uh, so uh, they also the interesting thing I think from that uh, you know that brief from the cabinet is that SEC has been tasked to come up with some regulations uh, to do with crypto. So possibly there is going to be something coming, uh, but um, the worries are whether. You know, the, the, the expertise is there because even in the U.S., uh, you would have heard of the um, the rockers the, the, the about uh, the amendment, uh, a certain amendment which got pushed into the infrastructure bill to do with taxing crypto, which caused uh, a massive, massive outcry. And uh, there was a lot of lobbying going on in Washington about it, and uh, it nearly stopped the, the legislation from going through. You could see the consensus between opposition parties, all of them saying, no, this amendment is bad for business. We want crypto startups to be able to uh, deploy their technologies if we are to tax them in this way, uh, because they were looking at targeting miners. Uh, well, the definition was wide enough to cover even miners. It would have made them liable to report uh, you know, data for, for tax purposes when the miners may not even have that capability to do it. So it would have killed the industry. So they, they lobbied um, and uh, you know, it, it became a big issue in an infrastructure bill to do with uh, bringing the U.S. economy back up so if you see things like that, you see in the U.S., 
you know, if you see that becoming a, a key issue on legislation with nothing to do with crypto, uh, then you you realize that you know it's a it's a big deal. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I should just clarify that point. I have not seen your proposed bill, um, but what you are, what you're describing now is precisely why I would have a problem with with actually proposing a bill in in the lobbying you're doing. The reason is um, with, with, with innovation and the space that we're talking about, which is very young, you don't want regulation to actually lead the process. You want innovators to lead the process. And then regulation comes in to manage the risks. So, for example, uh, pushing the government, I don't know what the, your bill, which, whatever it proposes, what it says, but encouraging the government to actually say, there is an agency that should regulate crypto, which in this case seems to be the SEC. Even when you look at the US, right, the SEC's role is not even clear, uh, except to the extent that they are debating whether this or that token is a security. And in which case, where they decide, oh, Bitcoin is a security or is not a security, or Ethereum is a security or is not a security, then they start having oversight of it. So, I would be very nervous if your proposals have a bill that actually pushing for regulation. I would rather um, the, the players in the space, which is how crypto has evolved in the first place, right? They lead with their innovations, see the risks, and then they recommend to regulators to say, "Can you manage us this way?" That to me, that, that's how that's how uh, mobile payments actually worked out uh, in Zimbabwe. Starting with, um, I think the first one was the network solution, and then the e-cockage solution and so forth, before they actually started drafting regulations to say, this is how you must operate. So just taking a step back, the crypto and Bitcoin is not regulated in Zimbabwe at all, at the moment. So if you want to do Bitcoin and crypto, you can still do it. There's no regulation. The regulation is where maybe, 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 you, cannot maybe, plug, maybe. you cannot plug into a bank, for example. Maybe if I cut you short on there, the regulations are not to regulate the tokens. They are to regulate mm -hmm. businesses to enable them to be able to be licensed and operate uh, and offer their services to the public under oversight uh, of, uh, of a regulator because there have been so many scams. Uh, there's the coin shares or whatever it's called where six million people lost up to six million dollars because these companies, uh, they, they don't have anywhere where people can find them. They are simply operating online. Uh, they are up investors who are local who want to access these services from genuine providers. But if we don't have any genuine providers who are best locally, who uh, regulators can uh, oversee what they are doing, then there is a problem. Uh, you, you are not going to uh, have any, 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 any sort of sensible um, economic activity going on in there. And because also of that banking ban, there is no way you are going to get around it. Uh, unless Parliament okay. actually legislates to say uh, we are, you know, allowing this to happen. So uh, we, we've already tried the engagement and all that. Uh, the, there are a few startups uh, which we've been working with. Uh, we've been engaging with regulators uh, and uh, so, some of them already have seen the bill. And uh, it's not something uh, revolutionary.
it's something actually very progressive. Uh, th- this legislation is not going to, um, to, to ruffle the feathers. It's actually going to empower regulators to be able to uh, say, okay, you want to set up a crypto exchange in Zimbabwe. Here is here are the things you want to do. You need to provide us with this and this. You need to comply with uh, money laundering laws and everything. Because without that, at the moment, you know, if you know the rules for the financial act, Action Task Force. Uh, they they are they have recommendations out there which they put out for every country uh, to to implement in 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 terms of uh, virtual assets. So if you don't have those kind of things in place, if they are not met, the only met, the way they can be met is if the government can show that. Uh, these uh, businesses meet uh, those stipulations. They, they they conform with the spirit of uh, uh, the, the rules for the uh, financial action task force. You will end up with a problem because currently, even as th- as we speak, Zimbabwe is one of the countries which uh, still has uh, some some on 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 fat list. They they have some problems which they need to still resolve because they think uh, the economic sector in Zimbabwe is not um, foolproof in terms of money laundering and all that. So uh, you know you 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 would you, you if if you don't have this in place, uh, you, you can you can completely forget that we will ever see any sort of um, you know development in this space. And our time is not on 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 anyone's side. Uh, because this sector is moving, uh, the world is moving on. Uh, we could sit and wait and do the sit and wait approach, which we've done, uh, you know, for, 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 for several years, uh, since the, that ban. Uh, but that ban, it doesn't look like there is any, any incentive for, for it to get removed, uh, on the part of the government. Uh, but on the part of the startups, they have solutions which they want to deploy. Uh, they can't raise funding because you can't raise funding if uh, the venture capital funds uh, know that the environment you're operating in, the technology is actually not allowed. Uh, it's not, it, you can't use it. So that, that, that is uh, where, where, where we are coming from. It's just about uh, regulating entities, you know, which are called virtual asset service providers. It's not mm-hmm. about regulating the actual tokens because you can't regulate Bitcoin, for example, uh, but you can you can you can say if you are going to use Bitcoin in banking, we need to know who you are and we need to know where your money is coming from and where it's gonna go. So that that that, that is the angle where this is all coming from. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, uh, we're gonna take one more contribution before we wrap up. Time is not on our side. We should have been done uh, 15 minutes ago. Uh, Michael was the last person in the queue to speak. Uh, Michael, do you have a question or a contribution? Hello, Michael. Hello. Yes, we can hear you. I hope you can hear me. Um, okay, I'm, I'm really enjoying the conversation. And as an entrepreneur in Zimbabwe, no, you, you kind of get used to the fact that you can't wait for the government to do things if you want anything to move forward. Most times you hear people speaking about cryptocurrency and the like. It's in a language that you don't understand. And like for the first time listening to what you guys have been saying, 
you've been telling us how the system works in a way that we can understand it. Now I need to also find out, like, how do I incorporate it into my business? How do I learn how to, like, is there, is there a way that you guys can give us a how to guide that's more suited to our country, Zimbabwe? Like, how do we get started into crypto? And also the other question I want to ask is probably, um, like, how do you apply it in Zimbabwe? Because I've found, Kuti, like, I'm, I'm running an e-commerce business and you have to find a way because I've got a lot of customers that are abroad and if they're paying through my website, I have to find a way that you, you end up getting a lot of credit card charges and you have to get money through World Remit or join a network of people with PayPal or whatever. So that's a pragmatic approach to help you figure out a way to retain the value of yourselves and whatever. How do you do that with cryptocurrency? And how do you get started? Because like there's a big picture perspective that you've been telling us about the regulators and everything, but just to the ordinary Zimbabwean on the street who wants to learn crypto, is it possible, even if we're going to have to pay for a class, just how to get started into crypto based on our economy in Zimbabwe, based on like ways that we can just figure it out from scratch without having to, you know, dig into too many different things that don't necessarily um, relate to our country. Yeah, I think that's that's just about it. That's the question. Okay, if I, I can are jump in that one up, Tendai, or uh, I'll quickly uh, wrap up, I'll quickly pick up on what you said, Michael. Uh, I think uh, a lot of resources which are available online, some of them which you can Google and, uh, you know, read a few articles and do, you require to do a lot of research beforehand. Uh, but I think CoinMati are running a platform where they are putting out educational materials as well. So you might want to follow CoinMuddy and uh, uh, see uh, the stuff they have on there because they are running a, a, an exchange. Uh, you can also follow Mari Podcast uh, because they've got a lot of resources on there which are not limited only to crypto, but some which extend to um, investing on Zimbabwe Stock Exchange and uh, general in educational information on uh, financial uh, products and uh, how, how, how to, to access them. So you, you might want to uh, go on my podcast as well. Uh, but uh, most of it, uh, you know, how this space has developed, though there are some exchanges like Kraken where they have some resources. I think Binance also has uh, Binance Academy where you can go on and you can read a little bit about uh, how, how, how things work uh, in the crypto world. Uh, but uh, you know, most of it has been peer-to-peer uh, -peer people telling the next person what to do. Uh, that's how this started uh, for, for Bitcoin to end up being a big network. Uh, it was mainly people, you know, who've done it uh, and they pass on the knowledge. Uh, but they are now, now it's actually a better space because there is a lot you can simply Google and find. Uh, if you simply Google uh, how, how to buy Bitcoin, uh, there are a lot of resources which come on there, but you just have to be careful not to click any links because some of them can get you scammed. 
Uh, so, uh, but the most trusted places where you can start from, go check out Binance Academy. You'll find some information there. Uh, there's Maripos podcast, which I've mentioned. Maripos podcast has an advantage in that you will know exactly how to do it from Zimbabwe. Uh, because exchanges like Kraken, which I've given, uh, you can actually buy Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies using a bank card from Zimbabwe. Uh, I have a lot of people who are using Kraken now. Uh, it's uh, it's actually got a bank charter in Wyoming, so it's a uh, it's a crypto bank. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, it's a safer exchange to use uh, instead of the other ones which are out there. Uh, some of them can disappear with your money, uh, and uh, you can you might want to check out CoinMarty as well uh, because they are in the exchanges business. Uh, I don't know if anyone else wants to add on that. Thank you very much. In terms of material, um, <clears throat> my podcast, uh, definitely, yeah, you, you need to check that out. out. And then, and then uh, as Prof was saying, that the resources are, are a lot uh, out there, but you just need to, to be careful to pick from, uh, you know, uh, reputable sources as well. Uh, my team and I, we have also worked with a project called News Crypto. We have, develop, we have helped them develop a platform where you can learn. Uh, uh, they have got an academy there where you can learn as well. And then um, <clears throat> if you are interested in uh, blockchain and how it's related to agriculture, I have done a book that's on, uh, uh, on, on Amazon. That's called uh, Blockchain for Agriculture. You can check that one out as well. Uh and then probably uh, uh, also follow uh, maybe um, some of the crypto people uh, that are on, on, on Twitter. That's how we learn sometimes. Uh, the, the crypto world, uh, I've, uh, I've seen that it's, it's, it's a fast world. Things move. Uh, before you know it, we've got NFTs. We know it. We're moving to the metaverse. So things move very, very fast. So for you to, 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 to keep maybe your, your, your fingers on the pulse, uh, also, Twitter is a very uh, good resource if you know how to uh, navigate around it. And, uh, you know, there are people who shoe coins, uh, who just try to, to sell anything. But then there are people maybe who do uh, informative threads. Just follow those as well. I think that that's what I have to say. And and YouTube videos, quite a lot of resources on YouTube, uh, but they sometimes delete them because they hate crypto or they, their policies. They say they are getting infringed by some of these crypto promoters, but uh, they're good resources on YouTube as well of actual, you know, some video visuals where you can see uh, someone do it and then you can try to do it yourself uh, following those examples. Uh, my When I started in crypto, I, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I just believed some posts on Reddit uh, and I was just following blindly what I was being told to do by someone I don't even know because they just posted how to do it on Twitter. But now uh, I think it's far much better than it was back then. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone. What's coming in there? Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Prosper. Thank you, Tendai. Thank you, Osi, Tapiwa, Michael, Taurai. And Freeman, who might have disappeared for your contributions and comments. Uh, there will be a rerun of this if you missed it, um, which you can listen to in podcast format. And in Tendai's vein, shameless plug, if you're looking for airtime, stuff for 05 hash. Um, 
Texans e-commerce platform on USSD. Uh, so thank you guys for your time. Uh, it's been a very fruitful discussion. Hopefully we can have another one crypto focus very soon. Thank you very much, uh, Texim and Valentine, for hosting us here. And thank you, Tendai and Ozzy uh, and all the other um, contributors uh, who, who were unable to, to come here. Uh, but uh, thank you for everyone who's coming. Uh, and I hope uh, all of you have found it useful. Uh, but the message, the final message probably is uh, download that paper on uh, Texim, the, the research paper, uh, read it. Uh, there's a private bill attached to it. Uh, just have a look uh, and you get a bit more information. The research paper just shows some of the use cases out there. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, are more 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 close to home than others. Uh, but, uh, you know, the idea is to try and go to your local members of parliament uh, and try to get them to have their, you know, get their attention on these issues so that uh, if it ends up coming to legislation, if it goes to parliament, uh, it can, um, you know, they will know exactly what they are talking about. Get them the white paper, I mean the research paper, uh, get them to read it, explain it, uh, which means you need to know what you are explaining to them uh, and uh, try to persuade them to, you know, vote for it uh, if it end up coming up uh, in legislation. Uh, we are also trying to get uh, interested parties uh, like uh, SEC, for example, because we believe they are the ones who are going to take the lead on this. Uh, we are trying to get them to adopt it. Uh, we've already sent uh, the paper to the lead and the draft bill because uh, going the private route of legislating is more difficult in Zimbabwe. Uh, it's, it's a really, uh, you know, traded path. Uh, so it would be better if uh, someone either at the Minister of Finance or someone uh, at SEC uh, is happy to adopt the bill and then uh, push it because it gives them the powers which they need uh, to be able to have some sort of control in this space. Uh, so uh, thank you, everyone. And thank you, Texim. Uh, I, I, that, that, that is it from me. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, have a good night. I will see you on the next one. Bye-bye.